Hello, welcome to Braveful, a podcast with and for achieving women. I'm your host, Amy Zeigert. I'm so excited to share with you stories of women who are brave and gutsy. This show is a weekly view into the hearts and minds of what has enabled these fabulous ladies to take a leap and go forward with bold ideas. So join me in an opportunity to listen, learn, and lean in, Braveful style. Hello, hello, Braveful listeners. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope wherever you are, you're having a great day. Our conversation today is with Dr. Stevie Dawn. I'm here to tell you that she has inspired me to take some action. And she really talks about focusing on your thought from the moment you wake up until the moment you put your head back on the pillow. You know, and that is how do we take a pulse check throughout the day? How do we start our day? What is driving us to keep our thought in focus, giving us that additional go get them in the true thoughts become things? I kept thinking about that the whole time I was having this conversation with her, that she is all about thinking, being intentional turning down the emotion, turning up the listening. It was a fascinating discussion where her favorite animal is a shark, you know? So for me, shark was a negative connotation until I talked to her. And you have to listen to the podcast to know how she defines being the shark and how she owns her own ocean. So she also talks about how to leverage your emotions for success And as women, emotions can sometimes be the negative definition and not the positive definition. And she really turns it around. So I encourage you to listen, learn, and lean into a fascinating conversation where you're going to learn how to make your emotional intelligence a valuable part of of your everyday life. And um, I can't wait to get your feedback. So get your Brave Girl panties on, enjoy, and have a fabulous day. Thank you, Dr. Stevie Dawn, for joining me today. It's wonderful to have you here. And I have to confess to everybody that we had a great conversation about a week or so ago, and it really stemmed around emotional intelligence. And I think my takeaway from the conversation was the power of understanding your own emotional intelligence can take you far in life, can help you achieve the goals that you're looking for. So if you could, you know, help the grateful listeners understand emotional intelligence and the power around it, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And we did have an amazing conversation uh, last week that I really enjoyed as well and took things away from, which I think is always The best kind of conversations are ones where regardless of who is the expert on the topic, everybody learns in the room. So I I just loved it. Um, In terms of emotional intelligence, I I think I'll I'll give the definition and then I'll talk about why I actually think it's important. But (laughs) the definition of it is the learned ability to manage emotions effectively and interpret messages correctly. So. You can Google emotional intelligence and you'll find 5,000 definitions. That's just the one I use. And I use it for three particular reasons. One, it's a learned ability. 
I think it's important that we all realize that this is not just something you're either born with or not. You learn emotional intelligence through conversations with people. The more you talk to people, the more you engage with people, the more you will learn emotional intelligence over time because you'll adjust and you'll you'll figure things out and you'll think through why did this conversation not go well? So it is a learned ability. And I think that's important for people to understand. The second part of the definition that I like is it's about managing your emotions. I think we talk so often about just keep the emotions out of it. Just turn them off, leave them at the door. I mean, I know I was told that in one of my first jobs, like, let's just leave our emotions at the front door. And while I understand the concept of that, I think we have to get to this point of understanding that what makes humans human is they have emotions. (laughs) So if we ask people to leave them at the door, we're literally asking people to leave their humanity at the door, which is not what we want. And I don't think that's what anybody truly means. I think what we have to look at is how are we managing what we're feeling to not let it lead us astray? That's really the goal with emotional intelligence is being able to identify your emotion and manage it through the course of the day so that you still have a great day, so that your your emotions aren't coming out your mouth in a way that you don't mean, right? Because that's the truth is our emotions come out our mouths. That's how we realize we're feeling them is usually we say something and go, wait, that may not have been the right time to use that particular word, right? And then we're like, oh, why did I do that? I was probably feeling bad. I was having a bad day. Oh, let's talk through that. That's really what we mean by managing emotions is just being self-aware. It's not about turning them off. It's not about leaving them behind. Emotions are powerful. And when we use them for good, Mm. we can create amazing abundance in our lives, but we have to use them. So we have to manage. And then the last part of that definition that I loved, right? It's the learned ability to manage emotions effectively and interpret messages correctly. Mm. I think as humans, We talk all day long, right? Um, And not just those of us who are public speakers. We talk all day long just to each other. And so when we are interpreting those messages through a filter of emotion, we likely are not hearing people in the way they wish we would. So when we're more emotionally intelligent, we're able to actually listen to people through their filter, not our own. We're able to take them at their word. We're able to maybe establish more trust, Because we actually start turning down the emotion so that we can turn up the listening. And I think that's really, really important in our world. So so that's kind of my definition. And and those are some of the reasons why I think it's so powerful. Wow. And that's that whole adage, think before you speak sort of a Mm -hmm. philosophy. And you're seeing it in actual use. And you understand almost the science behind it um, more than anything. So kind of, you know, now that we understand the role that emotional intelligence plays, why did you decide to actually focus on this? Because I'm fascinated by it. Uh, Yeah, I would love to say that it was just something I was fascinated by in the beginning. That's actually not the case. Quick story, just for the amusement of everybody listening. I was in a PhD program And we were studying leadership and everybody in my cohort, there were nine of us, everybody knew what they wanted to study. Somebody was studying leadership of women. Somebody was studying leadership in students. Like everybody was studying something. I had no clue what I wanted to study. I just thought leadership was cool. And I knew I needed a PhD. So that, that was really my intent. So I went through this, like trying all these different topics on to see if I liked them, da, 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 da. 
I had an advisor and I would say our relationship was not always the best. We didn't always communicate well. And so one day I get an email from my advisor. The subject line in the email was, you need this. The email had no words. It had an attachment. And the attachment was about emotional intelligence. Now, I think you can perceive that story two different ways. (laughs) You can perceive that story as she thought, man, you should really study this. It's a very interesting topic. That's a great way to look at that story. Now, the other way you can look at that story is, We didn't communicate well. We didn't have a good relationship. And she was just trying to inform me that I needed to work on my emotional intelligence. So (laughs) I'm not sure which of those is accurate. I have never asked, and I probably would not want to know her response. But here's the thing. That article changed my life. Because as I was reading it, it was about emotional intelligence in our conversations. Again, why I think maybe she was letting me know I had an issue. But anyway... As I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why my marriage ended. Like instinctively as I read it, I knew that was it. That was the reason. And so it spurred me into wanting to study it and understanding everything I could because it allowed me to understand myself. Mm. And that to me at that moment in time was really important, right? And I was just in this place of, I I had had a marriage that, that had ended. It wasn't good. And I was in this place of what am I doing with my life? Where am I headed? And it gave me something that said, okay, this at least gives you tools and an understanding of yourself. And I felt like if I studied that, then that in turn would lead me to whatever that next step is. I never planned on this becoming a topic I'm super passionate about, but that's what it ended up being. Wow. So so that's how I ended up in, in emotional intelligence as an expertise. So it was not because I just instinctively found it interesting at the beginning. It was literally because of that one email, that one article. Wow. So you clearly went to study that. How has studying emotional intelligence impacted your life? Oh gosh. Uh, so many ways. Number one, I have a very successful marriage now, which is great. And we use a lot of what I learned in my dissertation. We practiced on each other because we had started dating about halfway through my dissertation. Okay. So we, we always used to say, as I was studying that we have an emotional intelligence household, we argue from an emotional intelligence perspective. <laughs> really weird. Okay, so so what does arguing from an emotional intelligence perspective look like? Yeah, yeah. It means we each have the ability to pause during an argument and go, wait a second, I'm about to say something I don't mean. <laughs> Let me back that up. Let me actually try and listen to what you're saying. Because for most of us, when we get into an argument, We're so fixated on defending ourselves and our point that we actually stop listening to the other person. Mm. And what ends up happening is inevitably in an argument, there may have actually been things that you agreed on, but because you were so upset and so angry, you just kept defending even after the other person said, okay. Wow. You just keep fighting to fight. And so we, as I was studying this, we were understanding this, we came to a place where we both have the ability now in, in an argument to say, let me take, let me take a second. Let me take those emotions down, take the logical reasoning up and go, okay, where are we at? Okay. <laughs> like, let's just take a pulse of where we're at. It shortens our arguments. 
It makes our arguments a lot less volatile. We end up laughing most of the time because at some point one of us goes, wait, did you just say blah, blah, blah? And the other person goes, yeah. Oh, I guess we agree on that. Oh, great. (laughs) Why are we arguing? Like, here, here we are, right? So it has helped us do that. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's just being able to understand that when you start feeling the emotion so heavy that you no longer can think straight, you need to pause because everything that comes out of your mouth after that is defense. It's not logic. It's not reasoning. It's not listening. It's defense. And it's a coping mechanism, right? When we get scared, when we get terrified, we lash out. That's what we do. We are trained to do that as humans. That's our biology. So that's what happens when we get too focused into those negative emotions. We start to lash out without actually taking the moment to say, okay, but logically, am I actually hearing their point? Right. Because sometimes their point and my point aren't that far off, but we've gotten so upset that we've stopped listening. And so if we can find that way in that moment to say, let me take a second before I say something that isn't going to be good. Let me take a second. And just taking a second and telling yourself to take a second shifts your emotions. Wow. And you're able to more focus on the logic. And that that will save you in, in conversations. That will save you in arguments. It even saves you, you know, just before you go into a conversation, right? Even if it's not a negative one. Right. Just before you go in, let me take a second. Let me take a pulse check of where I'm at. And make sure I'm in a good space to handle this, right? What's my intention? What's my goal? I think we do way too much talking. You know, they say think before you speak, to your point. I think too often we speak and then realize that maybe that wasn't what we meant to say. But I think a lot of that comes from we actually don't think about our goal for a conversation. Mm. We just go into it. But in essence, we all have a goal, right? You had a goal before you logged on today. So did I. We had goals in this conversation. And hopefully at the end of our time together, we will both feel like our goals were met. But we had goals. Did we actually stop and take a breath before we push the button to say, here's my goal. Here's what I'm trying to get out of it. I think we rush too often in our lives. We rush from one thing to another, one conversation to another. So we don't take that pause and say, what's my goal? Right. Because once you do that, you may change the way you talk to somebody if you have a different goal. If you go in saying, actually, my goal for this one is I just want to check in on this person, make sure they're okay. When that's your goal, don't you come into that conversation differently? Wow. Then if your goal was, I need to know the status on this project. Well, that's a very different goal. You're going to come in very differently. Right. I just think we we rush. We rush too often. And, you know, I... So I have an emotional intelligence webinar coming up this week. And as I was preparing for it, I was looking for like an a sentence that people could take away. Like if, if I had a goal for them, for this class, it's one thing I want them to take away. And so this is the sentence I created. It's not an easy sentence, but if I could get everybody in the class to learn this, this is it. And that is emotion is a byproduct of a hormonal response to a mental trigger. It's a sentence. I know it's a sentence. There's a lot going on in that. So from a female perspective, so here's a question, and maybe you know it, don't know it. How are women and men's biology different in that sentence? And how do we respond emotionally different to that? Right. So the two biggest differences gender-wise are 
One is biologically, we produce higher levels of certain hormones. That's a natural biological function for a female versus a male. They produce other hormones. So it's different. It's not that one's actually like so much more than the other. It's just different. Okay. There are different hormones that are produced at different times because of the biology, right? So does that mean our emotions correspond to those? Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. And we'd be crazy to think that they don't because emotions are a byproduct of a hormonal response. So that's one difference. The second difference we see in genders is that when you feel the hormonal response, most females are not told to hide the emotion that follows it. Most males are right. This whole, and I know it's old and so cliche, Right. Right, And in today's world, it doesn't even make sense for us to say it anymore, but I'm going to say it anyway, which is, uh, you know, boys don't cry. So boys are allowed to have the hormonal response, but not to have the emotional byproduct. Women are allowed to have the emotional byproduct. It's almost expected. Yes. So let's just imagine we have a male and a female in the workplace together. One has been trained. Don't show the emotional byproduct. The other one has been traded. Please show the emotional byproduct. Is it any wonder that they cannot understand each other? They're literally in two different places. And and that's neither one of their faults. Nobody is at fault for that. That's just been, that's just generationally, culturally what we've done. We are seeing a shift. This will change in the next 20 years because we are seeing a huge shift in our culture to say emotions are okay to demonstrate. And if we get to a place where emotions are okay to demonstrate, we're going to see more equality in the demonstration of emotions by gender, which is an amazing thing because it will make everybody feel better. But that's really where it is. Well, and that's kind of men now get paternity leave. You know, men now get to share in, you know, the upbringing of kids. And it's amazing because why wouldn't they want any of that? They have all the same, all the same things, right? It's just that. Society has told them they're not supposed to show the emotion at the end. And that's the thing. So, so your whole motto is, you know, be the shark. So you're all, cause you love sharks. You're, I do, I do. So how does being a shark play into emotional intelligence? It almost seems to counter intuitively because emotionally you should be, I, I feel, when I think of emotional intelligence, I think of being soft and being, yeah you know, huggy, kissy, fluffy, you know, squishy. There ain't nothing huggy, kissy, squishy about a shark. Well, it depends on the shark, but yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Maybe a nurse shark, but that would be (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hence the name. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because I I get asked this question a lot because I think people find me to be an intense contradiction, right? I have a very much, my Patronus is a great white shark, like, Apex predator is my thing. And I love it. I think that how do I tie that into emotional intelligence? I think we need to stop thinking that emotional intelligence is soft. I think we need to focus on the fact that there's a word intelligence there, which is actually the power of it, right? Emotions are a byproduct of a hormonal response to a mental trigger. This is a mind game, y'all. Emotions are mind game. And you got to retrain it. Well, that's the intelligence. That's the intelligence part, right? So I don't think emotional intelligence is a soft skill. I think it's a hard skill. And I think it is something that we need to look at and go, why is my brain 
pushing me this direction. And what I see in sharks is strength and focus. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a shark and you see strength and focus, that focus is what allows me to be the most emotionally intelligent I can possibly be. It comes down to focus. Wow. Because it's being intentional. It's being thoughtful with my thoughts so that my emotions don't run amok, right? Which is what a lot of us end up happening. Not to say I'm perfect and I don't have emotions that run amok, right? (laughs) I can easily have a breakdown just like everybody else in the world. But I know that those emotions come from a mental trigger. We can draw the line back. So I go, hey, how do I fix my mind? How do I own my ocean? How do I be the apex predator of my life? And if I do that, all the emotions I feel as those hormonal responses, those are all going to be in support of my dreams and support of where I'm headed instead of letting my mind kind of go all over the place. And then the emotions that come out may not be good for me. They may not be healthy. And my emotions have definitely in my past not been healthy. And so I see the shift in a stronger mind means healthier emotions. It doesn't mean less emotions. It doesn't mean so tough that you're shutting them off. It just means now you use your emotions to strengthen you. Now that's a whole different place to be, right? Right. That's the thing. So be the shark to me is confidence and encouragement and Really, that phrase is about owning your life and saying, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm not going to let these external circumstances dictate my joy, dictate my life path. I get to dictate that. And if you take that and you work that sentence, a mental mental trigger, right? hormonal response, emotional byproduct. Now, if I strengthen my mental trigger, right. hormonal response serves me, the emotions help me changes the whole path. Wow. So let's say I am going for a promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wanted to go for a promotion. How do you, so without having to defend myself yeah. in that. So give me an example of what would that look like? Yeah. So one of the number one things that comes up for us is fear. Okay. Fear is the emotion. The yep. hormone that drives it is usually a mix of adrenaline and cortisol, right? Cortisol for stress, adrenaline for fight or flight, right? So they are anxiety emotions, right? They're going to make you, you get nervous, you get sweaty, you get, right? right? A flash. So <laughs> what triggers those glands to fire those emotions? We start doubting ourselves the minute we wake up that day. We start going, I don't know if they're going to like me. I don't know that I have the experience, right? What if I say the wrong thing? We're already putting those emotions into our bloodstream before we ever show up at the interview. Wow. We did that. That wasn't the interview. That wasn't them. None of that. We did that by how we woke up. So it's about waking up. And instead of focusing on all the things, right, that could go wrong, what if we focused on all the things that could go right? You know what? I think they're going to love me today because I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm ready for that next step. Once you start thinking those confidence thoughts, well, now the hormones that come out are oxytocin, which makes you happy, okay. endorphins, which make you feel good, right? So now when you show up to that interview, you're beaming with confidence, with glow. You have a calmness about you. Those interviewers are going to be like, wow, she has her stuff together, man. Look at how easy she breathes through this interview. 
So it's it's truly a mind game that we play it's on a mind ourselves. Game. That's it. And we do it to ourselves all day long. And here's why. Because we don't actually take the pause to ask ourselves, what thought triggered that? Like, I know I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling nervousness. But we just say, oh, I wish I could stop feeling that way. Okay, you want to stop feeling that way? You've got to go all the way back and say, what did I mentally think about that triggered this? Right. I I think we spend so much of our time telling people, you know, manage your emotions, handle your emotions, whatever these things are. We forget that all emotions are caused by mental things. Go back and fix your brain. And it's in your control. You totally get to choose how you look at yourself in the mirror every single day. Wow. You get to choose that. Choose differently and you will get a different outcome. But we, we spend so much time worried Right. And that is a mental thing that leads us to have these these emotions. Right. Um, Great example. A lot of people who go through anything traumatic, a traumatic experience, a traumatic event. I mean, I kind of feel like 2020 was just traumatic. So, right. We went through trauma. Right. Uh, I know it's a different kind of trauma than other people, but hey, it was trauma. Trauma equals adrenaline when you're experiencing something, fight or flight. Right. Fight or flight, fight or flight. So adrenaline is coursing through your system. There is such a thing you can look it up as adrenal fatigue. Yeah. And that is that feeling when you've been coursing on adrenaline so long that you crash out and the fatigue is intense. We see it in a lot of athletes, high adrenaline going into the competition. And then after the competition, they just look white. Like they spent every ounce of strength they possibly had. Right. And they need a nap. That's adrenal fatigue. So much adrenaline, so much excitement, boom. We basically short circuit our own abilities, right? We short circuit ourselves into adrenal fatigue. Well, for those of us, and I put myself in this box because while I know better, that doesn't mean I always do better, Mm -hmm. right? You have to know better in order to do better, but sometimes knowing better doesn't mean you do better. Like, I think we need to understand that. Right. So while I know better, I am still a, what I call an ahead of the moment person. There's three kinds of people. There's ahead of the moment, there's in the moment, and there's behind the moment. So ahead of the moment, people are constantly thinking about the future. They cannot help themselves, but think about all the things that are about to happen. So even though they're living in today, they're thinking about this weekend, they're thinking about next week, they're thinking about next month, next year. They're really good goal setters, super overachievers because they're always future focused, right? Wow. Always thinking about the future. If you're not sure that that future is going to be great, means you get adrenal fatigue because you're living on the adrenaline of what's tomorrow going to bring, what's tomorrow going to bring. So people who are ahead of the moment, people tend to have spikes in emotion, meaning they spike up, they get super excited, super high, and then boom, they crash out at the bottom because they get adrenal fatigue. Wow. Now. Backside, right? Let's go to behind the moment people. Now, these are people who constantly replay what happened yesterday. They can't let it go. Can't forgive and forget. They just rehash, 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 right? They just can't seem to get past it. Behind the moment people are always blaming themselves, are always feeling shame, are always feeling guilt. These are stress emotions, which means they're triggering cortisol. Cortisol is that hormone that causes your muscles to tense 
And so they're literally tensing themselves up all the time because they're reliving all this stress. It's when you get your muscles that hurt. Oh, wow. That's extra cortisol in your blood, right? So sometimes we do a cortisol shot to take away pain in people. We'll do a cortisol shot because a cortisol shot shifts that opening of those muscles. And so it helps people when they're in pain. The problem is too much cortisol means everything is at that level and it's tightening, right? So we get all this tightness. Those are behind the moment people. They're living on the stress hormone, right? Cortisol. In the moment people are the people living on the oxytocin. <laughs> like these are happy people. People who can just be in the moment, let the day comes, let what happens happen. Let's just go through that, right? Let's just be present in the moment. Those are in the moment people and they tend to live on oxytocin as an emotion. So oxytocin makes you feel good. They're peaceful. They're calm. They're always okay. Like, so, right? You can sometimes look at your own body, how you handle things, and you can see where have I been living, right? Because that physical response is because of the, that's, and the emotions that go with it is because there was a hormonal response. And there's lots of other hormones. Those are just some of the easy ones to mention, you know, cortisol is the, the stress one. Adrenaline is the anxiety, flight or fight, excitement one. Wow. Um, and then oxytocin is the oxytocin, serotonin. Those are like the happy ones. When you, you know, you see out there all the supplements you can take for adrenal fatigue, uh-huh. cortisol, all of that. Yeah. And that's the thing, like adrenaline makes you go fast. Adrenaline makes you go fast. Cortisol makes you slow down. Right. So that's why, that's why sometimes a cortisol shot helps us feel better because we're up here. So it slows us down, which is good. Right. But going too slow means you get stuck and you keep thinking about the past going too fast means you miss what's going on in your life. Like they, they're good for you and bad for you all at the same time, because we don't want any of them to be on overdrive. Right. That's what leads to adrenal fatigue right? Is that overdrive of emotions. And it all comes from our brain and what we're thinking about. So the key is you need to have your mental awareness in order to control the emotional outcome. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And if we could get up every day and really focus on our mind and how we're thinking about the day, how we're going into conversations, we would more likely control the emotional responses we would have. We would also control our physical state. I mean, that's the thing. When I am being more emotionally intelligent, I'm healthier. My body is happier, connected, you know? So is there an exercise that you do? You know, I think about, you know, people get up in the morning and they go and they exercise, they get up, you know, they go run, they work out, they swim, whatever it may be. Yeah. So it is literally the exercise to do is to set your goal, set your intention for the day. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> lots of different things that people can do. Uh, people can, a lot of people set start their day with a workout and they tend to be more in control of their mental attitude because right. that's the first thing they do. So the first hormone they shoot off in the beginning of the day is endorphins happy hormone. Gotcha. So that helps them, right? Because they're already experiencing that. So they're already feeling better going into their day. That's great. Um, so that's definitely a way to do it. Um, some people it's a quiet time in the morning, right? Prayer, devotional time with your kids, time with your dog, a time with nobody, but just you and your cup of coffee. 
again, if that gives you that peaceful feeling, those endorphins, then that's a great way to start the day, right? It gives you those happy hormones. If we can just get better about taking what I call a pulse check okay, uh, at the beginning of the day, and I do it every day. Um, I do it several times throughout the day, but really to start, the best way to start is just do it once a day at the beginning of the day. And you just ask yourself, scale one to 10, 10 being, I feel amazing. One being, I feel awful. How do I feel right now? Like just put a number to it and, and any number is okay. And there's no judgment of whatever that number is. Right. But, and you know how some days when you wake up and your body just doesn't feel as good. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you're just like, okay, today is a six because my shoulder hurts or my hip is hurting or whatever. Right? right. Like be thoughtful of that's okay. Right. That is a actual feeling caused by pain, which is hormones and nerve endings. Right. So right. It's okay. It's okay. But just taking that pulse check at the beginning of the day and then asking yourself, right? And this is the question I always ask, how can I make my day 1% better? Just one point better on that scale. So if I start out at a six, is there anything I can do today that would make me a seven? If I start out at two, is there anything I can do today to make me a three? And I just ask myself that question. It's a very logical question. There's, it's not an emotional question. I'm not telling myself to feel better. I'm not forcing myself to get over it. Right. I'm not saying suck it up, buttercup. This is life. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just saying, hey, here's where I'm at. How do I get just one point better? Is there anything I could do? And some days the answer is no, today sucks. Okay. (laughs) Right. But that is a mental decision. Today is just going to, today all day is going to suck. Okay. Then I think my question becomes how do I make sure I don't take that out on anybody? Because obviously I'm having a bad day. How do I just make sure that I don't let it come out my mouth? Like, let me, and I'll do things like reschedule appointments. If I'm having a day that's just, it's going to be that kind of day, maybe I don't need to be around people. Maybe I can reschedule those to tomorrow. Maybe I could, you know, take today off and call it a mental health day, right? And just take the time and space I need to get myself right. You know, it's okay to have a bad day. That is a great point. Right? Like there's nothing that says, I always say, you know, every time I tell people to cancel or reschedule things on their calendar, there's always somebody who's like, I can't do that. And my question is always, how many people have canceled or rescheduled on you? We can all name people who've done that to us, right? Right. And we don't, do we, do we get upset with them? Do we judge them? Do we hate them? No, we're just like, oh, okay, move it to next week. So why can't I do that? Interesting. Like I can totally do that. I can be like, hey, I don't feel like having these meetings today because I'm not in a great place. And I don't want to take that out on somebody around me. So I'm just going to push these meetings till tomorrow and everybody's going to be okay with that. And I I think we just got, again, be in control, right? Right. You're in the driver's seat. You get to choose. So choose wisely, right? Don't just let it happen to you and say you have no control because you do. And we have a lot more control over our lives than we really think. And I think when you learn that and you start to really buy into, actually, I'm in the driver's seat and I have control over my life, you make amazing things happen. Wow. Because you say, hey, it's me. I'm making it happen, right? Well, I think we have to give ourselves permission to say, not today, I can't do it. Or, yeah. And I think not everybody listens to their themselves, like you said. No. You know, and do it. I think... One of the biggest lessons I learned years ago uh, on my own journey, I will never break a promise to somebody else. Mm. 
right? I, I just, I just won't. If I promise you I'm going to be there, man, I'm going to be there. Come heck or high water, right? Like I don't break promises to other people. I, I am a trustworthy promise keeper. It was many years ago that I realized, yes, but I break promises to myself every day, Oof. right? A promise that I'm going to work out, promise that I'm going to eat healthy, promise that I'm going to drink more water, a promise that I'm not going to get upset when that person picks on me, a promise, right? A promise, a promise. I will break promises to myself all day long. And when I realized that, I started to go, now, wait a second. At the end of the day, the only person I am actually with 24-7 is me. Maybe I am not the person I should break promises to. Like, at the end of the day, maybe I should not break promises to the person I'm stuck with. Like, right. <laughs> maybe that person should matter. And, you know, and once I, once I kind of realized that it's amazing how every day I treat differently now than I did 10 years ago, because I'm just like, hey, if I tell myself I'm going to do it, dang it, I'm not breaking that promise. I'm important. Wow. And I think we all need to see ourselves as important. Because you are, you are stuck with you. You are the only person who has to put up with you all the time. Right. You're the only person who is in control of your life or ever going to live your life. You are it. So at a certain point, if you're not willing to keep promises to yourself, really? But yet I'm sure you'd be pissed if somebody else broke a promise to you. <laughs> like right. we got to put that in perspective, right? I am not the most important person in their world. I should be the most important person in mine. This is it. This is who I get. And I know sometimes we say that's narcissistic or selfish. No, it's narcissistic when you think you're the most important person in everybody's life. Ooh. Yes. That's bad. Yeah. That's selfish. But knowing that you're the most important person to your life, no, that's not selfish. That's understanding that this is it. I get this one body and I get this one life. I don't get a do-over. This is me. So shouldn't I live this part to the best of my ability? And shouldn't this relationship be the best that it can be? Because it's the only one that truly matters at the end of the day. Wow. And I, and I just don't think we do that for ourselves. Yeah, I'm thinking how many promises have I broken to myself today? Right. I mean, yeah. I can tell you I'm not drinking enough water as I have this massive container that tells me I'm not drinking enough water, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about how to be their own shark or own their ocean, mm-hmm. what's the best way for people to understand more about what you, Dr. Stevie Dawn, brings <laughs> to their world? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, always the best way to kind of see what's going on in my world is go to my website, drstevedon.com. We try and keep that up to date with live events and webinars and all the different things that we do. So I would love to connect with people through the website. Okay. You can also find me on all social media, of course. And you also have a podcast. I do. I do. We just wrapped our second season of the Monday Morning Coffee Club. And that was something that actually grew out of our Facebook lives. So we still, even though the season has ended up the podcast, we are still doing our Monday Morning Facebook lives, Monday morning coffee club, every Monday morning at 830 central standard time. And what do people get out of that? What's kind of the goal? What is your goal of that? Yeah. So my goal every Monday morning is just to inspire people to take action. I I think that it's a little bit motivation. It's a little bit business tips. Um, Most of the people who tune in tend to be either entrepreneurs or 
thinking about being entrepreneurs. Okay. So there's a lot of business advice given there too. Um, but we talk a lot of mindset. We talk a lot about goals and vision. And really it's just to hopefully get somebody motivated to take some action every week because it's little actions we take that lead to big results. So we might as well take the little actions. Yep. And you also do corporate events. You you kind of broad spectrum. I go all over, all over doing all kinds of things. I I, I am a, a multi-potentialite or a multi-passionate person. We got all different words now that we call people who are just, I feel like we're all just kind of ADHD and can't decide. Um, but there are better words for it, which is great. Uh, yeah, so I do I do a lot of motivational speaking at a lot of conferences. I do a lot of corporate training training programs. And I also have a new book coming out in November. So I've also been working on my writing, which is definitely a hard skill for me, but I've been working on it. Yep. And what's the title of your new book? The title of the book is Always Be the Shark, Reclaiming Your Story to Reclaim Your Life. And it's really just about my journey. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Because again, you know, you've made me change my view of what a shark is. You've also made me rethink kind of what's my mantra, because I kind of view your statement to be your mantra. And so, yeah, I, I guess I would challenge people to say, what's your mantra? Yeah. What, what gets you going every day, which is very cool. All right. So I have to ask you, so, you know, you, you have your, your PhD, you're well on your way, aside from reading, you know, journals that matter to your career, what are a couple books that have really kept you going or that um, inspire you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always have them on my bookshelf. So I turn around so I don't mistake the titles. One of mine that I absolutely love is Breaking the Habit Mm. of Being Yourself, which is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And um, yeah, great, great book. I've read it several times. I make it mandatory reading for my my coaching clients who hate me for it sometimes, but love me in the end because it's a great book. It'll get you there. Um, For emotional intelligence, um, my go-to book for everyone, if you're just starting out in emotional intelligence stuff is Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury. It's what I used with my college students when they were learning emotional intelligence. It's really easy. It's really approachable. It gives you very good actionable skills that you can take. So I love that one. And then um, the last one I would probably say, if you're really diving into emotions and kind of where they come from and that kind of thing is there's a book called Lang- the language of emotions. Hmm. And it kind of combines that idea of here's what the emotions are feeling. And then here's what comes out of our mouth. So how do we kind of see, like hear what somebody says and go, okay, they're probably feeling this. Maybe I need to adapt. So I really like that book too. It's a little more meaty, but it's, it's a really good one. If you're looking to improve the skill. Do you follow the Enneagram? I do. I do. I am a three. Okay. I, yeah. I'm a three wing four all the way, but I'm like such a three that my wing like barely registers. That's kind of, I I'm an eight and I, I yeah, same thing. So pretty much <laughs> yeah. hardcore, et cetera. Yeah. Cause yeah. You know, as I hear you talking, you know, it makes me think of the Enneagram mm-hmm. because that kind of encompasses emotion. Yeah you know, thoughts, et cetera, and how we interconnect. 
Yeah, because the Enneagram is is all based on, right, and all different personality tests or, or different kind of assessments are based on different things. But what's cool about the Enneagram is it's really based on how you view what is good or what is bad in the world. Right. It's actually a viewpoint and a perspective, which is very emotional in nature, right? Because our emotions kind of dictate, they're an expression of those mental thoughts of the perspective, So I think that Enneagram really allows us to understand people very well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally agree. I, this has been a fascinating conversation. As I've said, I could talk about this all the time. I I find it, you know, especially as, as women, how can we leverage our emotions to be successful versus leveraging our emotions to be used against us? So how can we take that the passion, the everything that we seem to have and take us to this successful corridor yeah. versus allowing it to take us down. And I, so I find your teachings just to be absolutely fascinating. And I c- encourage everyone to go and learn more about it because I, I think our emotions are going to be with us forever. We can't get rid of them, yeah. um, but how do we embrace them and bring them into our lives that allows us to be um, intelligent, successful, um, the same passionate people that we were meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just understanding that those emotions have a mental thought behind them. So, yeah. you know, and even passion, passion as an emotion comes from some thought you have of how you're going to change the world or the impact you would like to see. And so focus on the thought. Let the thought drive you as much as the emotions drive you and you'll find yourself better received. On that note, that is the best way to end. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. Yeah, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. And I am going to actually, so are you doing things online? I do a lot of webinars. Okay. I do a webinar every month on a different topic. Um, and so, yeah, I do a ton of webinars. That's always kind of where I live. I will be participating. So this is wonderful. Yay! Thank you very awesome. much. You are so welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful for the opportunity to listen and learn from such great women. So if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did, please feel free to share Braveful podcast with your friends and colleagues, as well as please subscribe to Braveful on your favorite podcast apps. Have the best day ever. And until next time, be Braveful.